0: seems to get involved doesn't he i'm telling you too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull well i think uh, anthony
1: will be a great acquisition he can do it all
0: avery whose show is this Yeah, I agree with with just about everything you're saying. I I think the one difference between last year's playoffs and these playoffs is I think teams are going to be more focused on getting him off of the court, right? He's going to be a bigger part of what the, like last year was everything he did was such a surprise, you know, um, even to me and and I was, you know, banging the drum for him from, from day one. I was like, this guy, like, I remember he had a game against Utah where, um, it was one of those games that the Lakers had to win down the stretch of the season Utah was also competing for the, for the play-in slash po, uh, playoffs. Y- 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 they were essentially, and, and LeBron was basically giving Reeves the ball at the top of the key. He was running pick and roll with, with uh, AD, and he was just taking 15-footer after 15-footer, and it was nails, right? I was like, holy shit, this is actually who this guy is, not because he made those shots, but because LeBron noticed that he's that guy, right? Yeah. Le- LeBron is giving him the ball. I'm like, all right, so this is legit. We know that now. Um, but still the fact that he like in two years went from undrafted to that is still kind of surprising, but now he's here. Now he got paid. Now he's here and now he's going to be starting. He's going to be on everybody's game plan going in. And I do kind of think that he's probably going to be targeted a little bit more because teams have to find a way to, to minimize him in some way. But I think the Lakers are very well positioned across their roster, to make up for him being targeted, right? If if it's a smaller guard that pulls him way out onto the perimeter and they get into the paint, the Lakers have enough length. Poor John Morant was taking 17 foot floaters against AD. He didn't want any part of the rim. Um, so that helps. If some team decides to post him up, um, the nice thing about post up is they're usually relatively slow moving actions. So you can swing somebody over there and force that guy to, with the very least, turn over the, comf- the the shoulder he's a little less comfortable turning over. Um, so even even if teams do target him uh, more than they did last year, I think it's going to be it's going to wind up being a, a net positive for the Lakers because it's like you mentioned the Warriors. If the Warriors are putting somebody out on a, on an island against anybody, a, a, you know, a, who's a league average defender that is significantly less effective than their typical sets where you have Steph running all over the place, you have Clay running all over the place. or you have Steph in the pick and roll and stuff like that. Anything that like gets the Warriors to not do that is doing the defense's job. So I'm fine with that. Um, I do think he's going to get targeted more, but I, I I think he and the Lakers are positioned well enough that he's gonna get better. and I think Rui also mentioned that he looks bigger this year than he looked last year, which, which again, like we said earlier, everybody has gained 15 pounds of muscle during the summer and all that stuff. And and nobody says anything bad about their off season um, or their training camp. But I, I tend to believe hype about this guy. Cause we know he puts the work in, um, you did mention D'Angelo Russell. And I, I did say that I think eventually he's going to get moved and this will be the, the last thing before we get you out of here. Uh, do you, do you see a world in which the Lakers, he plays well enough to have the Lakers say, you know what, I, th- I think we'll keep him. We'll, we'll, we'll see how this thing goes. We'll roll with this roster that we have. Do you think that'll be up to him? Or do you think it'll be more of a, hey, we still have a need and he's our most movable contract. Um, but do you see Russell taking a step forward into being more of a 16 win player than he is an 82 game player? One of the things that I thought hurt him in particular
1: was his catch-and-shoot jump shot also fell apart in the Nuggets series. And, like, D'Angelo Russell, he has, like, like we've all seen him do that little left shoulder fade uh, to attack smaller guards. He did that a lot to Steph Curry in the Warriors series. We yeah. He hit he hit several of the biggest shots of the postseason. He hit the three shots that kept the the Grizzlies game close, which allowed LeBron yep. to kind of lift them over the top. A lot of people don't remember this, but Game One of the Warriors series, the Warriors had this crazy flurry to tie the game, and then D'Lo yeah. literally untied it the very yeah. next possession with a nice little left-handed uh, bank shot on the on the by the left block on like just a quick transition attack. Like he made a lot of really big plays, and what happened was is he ran into a really bad matchup, and in the process lost his confidence. And lost one of the most important things that he brings on a possession-by-possession possession basis to the Lakers, which is he's actually a really damn good spot-up player yeah. uh, who's very aggressive. And like like when you position him, uh, specifically, he's good at above-the-break spot-up shooting, which there's just not a ton of guys in the league that are great at that, but that can also do other things well. And so you position him on the wing, and when you put that defender down to the nail... He just, he can catch and fire and it's a real, it's a real weapon. And he's going to hit that shot on a catch and shoot at like 40, 42% of the time. And like, so the thing is, is again, like it's, I want to try to, I'm, I'm more concerned in the bigger picture about just like him taking out some of the mistakes he made in the playoff run, Mm -hmm. because I thought there was tons and tons of good there. But at the end of the day, like you got to look at it from the standpoint of redundancy and, and the use of resources.
0: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
1: D'Angelo Russell's taking up, what, $18 million of your cap? Mm -hmm. So, like, how much is that an appropriate amount of money to spend on a guy who on a possession-by-possession basis is a dominant spot-up player who's a below-average defender? Like, that's where you have to start asking yourself, even though D'Lo is is very good and is capable of helping this team in different ways, would you get a more, you know, winning return, so to speak, if you found a player that had a different skill set that filled different roles? Because I would argue that, like, it'd be a lot easier to replace D'Angelo Russell's shooting than it would yeah. be to replace the obvious need that the team has at the point of attack or the over-the-top shooting that we were talking about. So, again, I, I think... I don't think there uh, there's any sort of regular season performance you could see out of him that would take away that decision. It's a philosophical decision based on matchups that occur in the playoffs, and and I think at the end of the day, it's going to come down to who's available. Like I would not flip D'Angelo Russell at the deadline for Jordan Clarkson, for instance, if that makes sense. Like like it's got to be it's got to be the right type of player that justifies the trade off for the good of what D'Angelo Russell brings versus. Uh, the rest and before you try to kick me out of here, I thought we were going to talk some Ahsoka today, man.
0: Well, I was I was going to ask if you had a little time to to stick around um, to 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 do that. I, I I I forgot we've talked about any variety of things, and it sounds like your two biggest questions about the Lakers are the point of attack defense and the uh, and the over the top shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any it like essentially the cool thing about the league this year is I think you could very quickly identify with each team the thing that might get in the way of them not, you know, even beyond injuries, right? Cause injuries are always going to get in the way. But I think with each team, there's a certain matchup that like can't be made out for. There's a, there's a certain thing that a team can do defensively that, you know, can just stall them just enough. And, and I think here with the Lakers, I, I think there are a, a couple of those things too. What's the biggest, what's the biggest question you have about the Lakers?
1: Well, see, that's interesting too, because I 100% agree. They all have the flaw there. Like, Boston is still like, are your, is Tatum going to be able to out execute the best guys in the league in the right. half court? The Bucks have an even worse perimeter defense predicament than the Lakers have, right? The yeah. Nuggets, their defensive front line, again, like everyone's like, oh, they defended well in the playoffs. And it's like, have, did you look at the offenses they played? They played yeah. Minnesota, who's a terrible half court offense. The Lakers, who are a terrible half court offense, and the Miami Heat, who are a terrible half court offense. Like, and I'm not, I'm not yep. trying to sit there and say like they don't deserve the championship. Of course they do. But the point is, is like there's a version. The nuts it's are, question mark. The Nuggets are not a dominant defense. They just put up a decent defensive rating against bad playoff offenses. And they're a bona fide yeah. champion, but they're not a perfect basketball team. They are beatable. Okay. Right. That's mm-hmm. that's their big question mark. The the Suns were talking about their defensive front line, and then the Lakers, we were just mentioning uh those specific issues. I would say, I would say that the uh I would say that the over-the-top shot making is probably the biggest concern for me. And the mm-hmm. the reason why I say that is like I'm a big believer in like you can find a way to get stops through commitment and through mm-hmm. the 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 schematic approach that takes place over a seven game series. For instance, like you're uh I I didn't even think it was point of attack defense that got them beat against the Nuggets. It was they just couldn't figure out how to guard Jokic. Like I thought they defend like they a lot of those Jamal Murray shots were tough shots that he was making. It's not like you're going to do demonstrably better there. And but what really hurt them is they couldn't go blow for blow for them in any sort of extended capacity from shot making from the standpoint of shot making. And so that's the big thing I would look at and. And again like everything just comes down to LeBron and AD. Like those two guys if they come in and they make shots this year, it just solves so many more of their issues. Like LeBron LeBron was atrocious as a jump shooter last year. It was a real yeah. problem. And you can even look down to specific shots like you're like, "Oh, if like if he made that 3 against Denver in game 1, they might win that game." You know, if he makes a couple more of the threes that he took in game three against Denver. Maybe they win that game. Like you can look at those all and see, like they just every single time they needed a guy to make one of those shots, they just missed them every, every single time. Like I can, can you think of a single important jump shot that LeBron or AD made in the playoffs this year?
0: I can't think of one. Statistically speaking, there was it was like it was the most daunting, depressing stat. It was like LeBron is now O of 17 for three it from three <laughs> in the fourth quarter. It's like, yeah, I mean it feels like 35, you know? <laughs> like it, it felt even worse than than the the stat that was already depressing. And 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 yeah, it, it's just you know, Aaron and I we we talk every week and we 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 analyze and we reanalyze and we overanalyze this team. Cause that's what you do on a team-based show. And it always just winds up coming back to, is 80 going to be a threat? Like there, there were stretches, there have been stretches over the last few years where 80 doesn't even look at the basket from deep, right? There, there have been, and, and even uh, LeBron um, it, it, for some stretches, a team will be going under the screen from him or, you know, on him when he has the ball at the top of the key. And you know, that the move there is to take the shot and even he's kind of hesitating on it. And that's like the greatest, literally, the greatest scorer of all time is kind of hesitant to pull a trigger on something. And and if that remains the case and the Lakers become guardable and that defense has to be that much more elite, and I don't think you can have an elite defense when your point-of-attack defenders are Gabe Vincent, Austin uh, Austin Reeves, or uh, D'Angelo Russell. So, yeah, I, I think uh, they they need to find... They, they either need to, like you're talking about, fully buy into the identity of just beating the crap out of everybody on a night-to-night basis defensively and then hope that LeBron and AD can withstand that, that kind of approach because that is a very difficult approach to basketball. Um, or they need to find... like The, the, the trade that I'm kind of keeping my eye on over the course of the year is because uh, Kuz is always flirting with the Lakers, always. <laughs> and, um oh and, God, it'd uh, be perfect. Yeah, like if if the Lakers were able to to, and I, I'd have to look at the the contracts and stuff and the numbers here, but if it's Delo and Rui for Kuz, that completes your your starting five. That the, I think you're good. You know, I think that 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 you the, could, can even Kuz if, guard on the perimeter well enough. You think? I think the offense would be just hmm. so devastating that you know, I I, I you. Know, <laughs> Coos has become so effing good, uh, both as you know starting possessions with the ball in his hand, and and let alone like the ball swinging over to him and 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 having a second to have the defense kind of rotating over to him. That I, I just I don't know it, it would be an identity shifting thing, and then then you're hoping to keep up with the with offenses like Phoenixes and Denver's and stuff like that. But that that's the move that. Um, A, I'm keeping my eye on because I think that makes their offense up there, puts their offense up there. And B, I'm keeping my eye on because I know how Rob Polinka operates and he brings back guys. <laughs> 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 he just he, he he likes to 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 re to to bring back people. Um, all right, that I think is going to do it here for the basket basketball aspect of this, the Lakers aspect of this. Um, for those of you who watched all of Ahsoka, which is now fully wrapped on Disney Plus. Uh, stick around. We are going to talk about that. And uh, again, for those of you who are who are departing, find Jason's stuff, Hoops Tonight, on the volume. It's on YouTube. It's everywhere that you find podcasts. And, and, and it's great stuff. It's tremendous information. It's really fun and entertaining and, and engaging. Um, but yeah, I, I am curious. So Jason, you do host the Two Sons podcast. Uh, it's kind of your, your passion project about Star Wars and stuff. Um, I tuned into a little bit of your, your post uh, see, series I guess, or season wrap up, uh, of of the of of Ahsoka. Now that it's eight episodes gone, I kept finding myself like, as episode eight was wrapping up, I kept finding myself looking like, are you sure it's not nine? Are you sure it's not nine? Like, are you sure that this isn't a nine episode run? Which I, th- it, compared to <clears throat> recent, especially Marvel stuff, um. I think that's a step in the right direction for Star Wars. The fact that I like a show was wrapping up, and I was looking for more. I, I that that is not that has not necessarily been the case. Um, and I, I think this was an important series for for Star Wars to to nail and for Disney to nail. And I, I still had some gripes, but I think overall this was what I was hoping for.
1: Yeah, there's this repetitive thing that's been going on. I mean, even through the Mandalorian show, but I mean, the sequel trilogy was the best example of this. Like, let's just rebrand the Empire and rebrand. They wouldn't even let them fight against the Republic. They're like, actually, we need to have like, rebels so we're gonna have the resistance which is like this weird group of people that kind of is because they wanted to create the underdog we're ill-equipped mentality which is kind of unrealistic when they're the power in charge of the galaxy and when would in theory have control of all the shipyards and all that stuff so like it just they literally were so obsessed with like recycling a star wars concept that it just gets it gets so boring and redundant and like i love I love the direction Dave Filoni's taking this with this like kind of mysterious entity that exists in this other galaxy. The I'm a little I'm a little annoyed that they didn't reveal just like 10% more before the end of the season because it's so vague. Like it's like, okay, here's this power that's so terrifying. That it's literally, it's scared Thrawn. Like, Thrawn was scared in that entire season. You could tell he's yep. like, I don't care what happens, just get me yeah. the hell out of here, you know? Right. And then, and then like the night mothers are like, get us out of here. Like, even Ezra's like, get us out of here. Like, everyone just wants to leave. And so they're trying to get you scared of something different. And I'm such a fan of that concept. I just wish they would have like had Balin standing on the father at the beginning of the episode and mm-hmm. then maybe given us like two additional clips, kind of like, Further hinting at whatever this thing is, because they revealed the Mortis gods, but the Mortis gods are dead. So, yeah. so it's like a reveal of characters that theoretically no longer exist in the Star Wars universe. And so now uh, there's all these theories, and I won't get into them here. But like, I wish they would have just got given us like 10 more of a hint. But I am excited about the idea of like Thrawn going home. And just messing everybody up for a while and just yeah. causing havoc. But then this other entity joining the equation and it turning into a very complicated conflict where it's not very like, you know, uh, dark side versus light in the standpoint of like the empire versus the republic, but more like convoluted and, and with different types of entities. I'm I'm just excited for different Star Wars, man. I'm, I'm so down.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm happy that like Thrawn at least explains because the problem the problem with like the most recent. Uh, trio of movies that we had was that like you start it and you're like wait didn't they win like (laughs) 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 Like, how are we back like you know and 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 i i you know throughout that throughout those those that that last set of of movies that we went through i just kept on like at, at some point you have to explain how the hell we got back to the empire being in power again you know and and like part of that, they they've started to touch on that, and you're starting to see the maddening. Like, uh, we're just trusting people. They say they're not they're, they're not fascists anymore, and it's like, promise, you know, <laughs> like, we swear, you know, cross our heart, hope to die. Like we 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 do not, you know, we don't support the empire anymore. And then you're finding out that like, yeah, it, it turns out taking them at their word was probably not the best uh, move forward there. And and Thron at least explains like really putting that into hyperdrive right so that when when the next trio of movies do eventually start you could see how thrawn even though he kind of sort of has to get nixed along the way before then will like he's the the he's enough of a destabilizing factor that you can arrive where we arrived by the time that the last three movies started Um, i'm happy that they took kind of they started taking care of that I really wish we would have, like, there was so much throat clearing in the first few episodes, and then you see them really kind of scramble at the very end to to, to land the plane. And I really wish we would have gotten, because Ezra Thrawn was the conflict of an entire series, and they were never even in the same room together. Like They, they never had a conversation, yeah. Right, and and uh, and Ezra rode know,
1: back across the the pathway with them, and they still didn't have like a oh Ezra ran nothing. into Thrawn thing nothing like
0: yeah I, I I wish we would have like gotten rid of the whole Sabine Ahsoka thing, you know, or not gotten rid of, but spent a little less time there so that we could come over here and spend more time on the actual conflict that is going to drive the story because that's the that's what's going to drive the story forward you know from here on out is going to be. Thrawn trying or or gaining his footstool uh, foothold and Ezra, you know, trying to bring Sabine and Ahsoka back somehow and and trying to move on and and bring those guys back. And and, uh, I just don't see how they don't lay any groundwork there. Because like for you and I, we watched Rebel. You you watched Rebels, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. Uh Um, So we know about that. We know about that conflict. We spent years with that conflict. But for people who only watch live action stuff, they're like, why should I care about this kind of chubby blue guy and this like bearded weirdo? Like what, what, why should I care? And then we didn't spend any time explaining that.
1: Yeah. And, and, and Thrawn is like arguably one of the most interesting star Wars characters in existence. If not like, like he's top three for me. Like I find him to be so fascinating Those of you guys who haven't read them, the Thrawn books are literally unbelievable. Highly recommend the audiobook version because the voice actor does an incredible job and they spend a good amount of time in post-production just like adding, you know, that kind of movie type of flair to it. Uh, But I agree. And like, you know, it's funny when you were saying the, like, I wish I kind of feels like there should be a ninth episode. Like, I agree with the point you were trying to make, which is like, I want more, which is a good thing. But like, yeah. I, it actually felt like it needed a ninth episode to me because it yeah. just felt like there just needed to be a little bit more flushing out of those characters. And I think, I think if I had to guess what Dave Filoni's ideology was or, or his thought process was, I guess he wanted to kind of stay on Ahsoka as much as possible for what the show is called. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if this entire storyline gets divided into two shows now. And for, we get one season of like Thrawn versus Ezra over here. And then we get a season of, you know, basically Sabine versus Shinhati and Ahsoka versus Balin Skull, who presumably they're going to recast at this point. And yeah. like, and, and like, and and then those stories can kind of get flushed out on their own and then they'll bring them together down the line. I mean, Mandalorian kind of had that ending where the the circle close in around Grogu and, and, uh, in the Mandalorian. So like that kind of makes you feel like that storyline is over. Which yeah. means in the in like uh, uh, obviously the Mandalorians have regained control of Mandalore, so it kind of feels like these are the two shows now that are going on in this era: is Ahsoka season two and potentially a show called Thrawn, right, or yeah. something along, uh, something or even along Ezra, those right, lines. like you or know, even Ezra or
0: or, or um, Rebel season the planet six. that <laughs> they were on the the the, the planet Death, like uh, no 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 not the one that he was going to, but the planet that he and that that Ezra and Thrawn were stuck on. right? Oh, Peridia. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, you could call the... the, Because that's... I'm actually really fascinated in that. The process by which Thrawn got all his stuff, and Ezra apparently was just chilling with some shelled people. Like, Mm -hmm. like, (laughs) (laughs) Thrawn's over here doing everything and relaunching the Empire, and Ezra's just, like, building fires with sticks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. and honestly it is really
1: funny. Did you watch uh have you seen the Mortis god episodes?
0: Yes, yeah.
1: Okay, I I literally rewatched them last night and so it good. is so it is so it's so profound too cuz like Obi-Wan literally says he's not even sure if they're in the same galaxy anymore, so presumably yeah. they could have teleported to wherever this place was. The actual place of Mortis was not a planet, it was like a prism like uh some sort of weird geode that was like an extended diamond shape. And it yep. almost looked like a giant space station. And that same sim- symbol is visible on Peridia in the distance, like standing on top of a, of a mountain yeah. in light. And so, like, there, it's very possible that uh, and there's like some really deep lore stuff where, like, you actually find out the Mortis gods lived elsewhere and then left to get away from this other character, which we won't get into that, yeah. that, that, uh, where they ended up at Mortis basically as a way to escape and to protect themselves and to, and to hide. And, and so like, it, it, it's super interesting to see the direction this all is going, but like, it's like, I can't believe they didn't just give us like 10% more, like just a little bit more. Cause like yeah. with the writer strike, presumably it could be a long time. Yeah. before before we actually get to what's next and the show's going to take a a big or the t- entire Star Wars universe is going to take a turn right now because we have the 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 next book in the High Republic series is coming out on November like 11th or something mm-hmm. so that's like 5 weeks away and then the show that's coming out in the spring is the Acolyte which is set in the High Republic and so like it's like yeah. this huge cliffhanger before Star Wars like just Detours to an entirely different time frame, and so I, 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 I do, I, I, I am, I am definitely wishing it ended a tiny bit differently. But I will say, and I'm not sure about you, Anthony, but like, I experienced the most, like, uh, like, I'm, what's the word I'm looking for? I experienced like almost like a visceral, like, excitement for this show that I yeah. hadn't experienced for any Star Wars content since the old stuff and, yeah. and like when I was a kid. And so like that to me, I'll, I'll, I, I will for be, be forever grateful to Dave Filoni for, because like, I didn't even know I could still get that excited about something. So like, it's, it's cool. I, it's cool that he did that.
0: I was watching every night at, you know, it's, uh, let's see, they aired at what nine Eastern, right? So eight, my time, uh, every night, you know, You're in Texas <laughs> right I am. Yeah. So, Uh, I was as soon as I could watch and week in week out, I was watching as quickly as possible and not even necessarily to avoid spoilers. I was watching because I wanted to watch it. It, And I, I you know, that has not been the case since like Mandalorian season one, you know, even like as we got like as we got to Mandalorian season two, I was like. (laughs) like <laughs> it's cool Mandalorian
1: was cool it just wasn't deeply impactful does that make sense like it didn't yeah. feel that important in the grand scheme
0: of stuff i Wars. kind of wonder if they're going to find a way cuz i i agree with you that like i could see them closing up the story where they did it was like that it's it's a it's a western right so it was them like staring out into the sunset in the way that like all westerns end so I could see it ending there, but I also think he's such a popular character and Grogu is such a possible and, and hugely potentially impactful where this guy could be a, a mix between Mandalorian and Jedi cultures and have all of those powers. Like that guy just being in the background from here on out just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but yeah, I my, my last like kind of gripe with the show was they arrive at this planet that's in a completely different, Galaxy, right? And it's like, and and especially now, seeing as we've kind of sort of been on this planet before, and we kind of know what it looks like. Um, I wish they would, like, I wish they would have done a little bit more to make Beridia uh, look more foreign. It looked like Indio, you know, like it. Yeah, it, it, it just it,
1: looked like another planet in the Star Wars universe.
0: Yeah, I I wish they would have done more. Like, you know, we we saw a little bit of of flora and fauna, but it was just it was just kind of like another planet and and given the gravity of like the powers that be there it I, th- I feel like it has to look a little bit better than I would drive on my way to morongo like I, like I, <laughs> it, it needs it needs to it needs to look a little bit better than that hey
1: I'm with you man I remember thinking like what are they gonna see when they come out on the other side of this portal and then when it was just like literally another you know and like literally the, the zoomed out view looked like wobani that prison planet that they <laughs> they rescued uh uh the, the stardust at uh in in yeah. rogue one and I, I i'm with you on that and like especially especially when we know now too that this is loosely tied to the mortis gods and the mortis gods were on like weird space stations like it, it like right. if they would have shown up and seen that giant prism thing i'd have been like oh okay what's happening now you know like this right I, I, i'm with you on that like but i think I think it's going to get weirder. Like I think that season 2 of whatever the Thrawn Ezra thing is going to follow a pretty standard Star Wars pathway. It's going to be mm-hmm. fleets, it's going to be battles, it's going to be hopefully a good opportunity for them to demonstrate what Thrawn actually is, which is a genius military commander, which this show didn't really have the ability to to demonstrate because he's basically just doing a cargo transfer and running, you know. Yeah. But like but like that show I feel like is going to f- follow a more standard kind of storyline the Ahsoka season two with everything going on on Paridia in season two, I think is going to get weird. And I'm super down for that. I'm so down for weird. I, I, that's what I want. I want, I want it to go off the rails completely.
0: Yeah. I, it was like a central issue that I had with game of Thrones as it was wrapping was how they, they were like literally killing all of the fantastical elements of the show where they were like, oh, yeah, sure, this one arrow flew up and shot this dragon right through the neck with, like, zero (laughs) odds whatsoever. Like, they were, like, literally killing what I thought was, like, the best elements of a fantasy story, right? They were turning it into this human thing where, like, we aren't interesting. Like... If I want human well, profoundly uninteresting, yeah. <laughs> like if I want human disaster, I could just read history. Give me like dragons. Give me magic. Give me that stuff. And I, I did kind of feel like, and I think like part of why I started with me being so excited for a ninth episode of this series or hoping for a ninth episode of the series was that like it felt like Dave Filoni, uh, Filoni, like walking more casual audiences kind of by the hand, holding them by the hand and being like, Hey, I promise this is going to make sense. Just follow me with this because I've watched those animated series with Jen, who is a star Wars fan, but is nowhere near the the nerd I am. And, and she'll be like, this is star. Wars? Like what, what, <laughs> what was the last? Like Yeah. And, and, and I feel like this was Dave Filoni really kind of grabbing Jen's type of viewer by the hand and, and saying like, just, just wade into these waters with me. And I promise I, I I'll still, I'll steer you. Okay. And, and the fact that like we are going towards that kind of stuff where game of Thrones moves so far away from it, it I, I would be, I would be a huge hypocrite if I had a problem with this direction. And I, I have zero problem with it whatsoever. it's It's actually what makes me so excited about the future of star Wars.
1: Yeah, well, they've they've overdone the bigger fleets, bigger ships, bigger Death Stars thing. Like they've just overdone that. Yeah. Like we, the, the, it was comical the the what they did in in Rise of Skywalker with like the tens of thousands of ships versus the tens thousands right. of Death Stars. Like it was just ridiculous. And and that's what's cool is what they haven't done is gone over the top in the weird elements of the Force. And so that that's the direction I want to see them go. And so I'm I'm so down, man. This is fun. I, I
0: I had a good time talking some Star Wars it is always a blast man again you can find jason's stuff uh if you liked the star wars aspect of this two sons podcast is where you want to find that if you are both basketball and star wars then uh hoops tonight and two sons is where you're <laughs> going to find all of this stuff uh, jason always a blast again greatly appreciate you spending a little bit of time with us here i look forward to talking to you a bunch over the course of the season oh yeah man looking forward to next time